0: Before I press the button on this week's podcast, could do a little bit of a favour? If you don't already, please could you subscribe to the podcast? It's very easy to do. Just search for us on iTunes. Fight Disciples is what it is registered under. Hit the subscribe button and then you'll never miss any of the content that we knock out on a weekly basis. This week, we've obviously got our UFC 200 review, which you're about to hear. Uh, We've also got uh, a little bit of a telephone interview with Welterweight King, Kelbrook Brook, who is daring to be great, stepping up into the ring with the pound-for-pound pound best, many would say, Gennady Golovkin. You get all that stuff absolutely free. Once you've subscribed, if you would very kindly write us a five-star review. The reason why I ask you weekly to do that is because it increases our visibility in the iTunes charts, and therefore, hopefully, more people will see it and then click on the subscribe button. Dead simple, this game, innit? Um, so you you're helping us out. If you could do that for us, That'd be brilliant. Right, let's get stuck in, shall we? This this is
1: Fight Disciples.
0: We are gathered here today for
1: the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk.
0: Hello, I'm Adam and I'm Nick. And welcome to episode 22 of the Fight Disciples podcast. <laughs> We discuss the wrestlers. Stand them up. Yes. Stand them up. Well, the UFC, pound for pound best. The hand speed, never mind how hard she hits, never mind the combinations that she throws, the speed of her hands when she's making connections. I'll tell you something, she would give a lot of blokes in lower weight divisions a lot of trouble in the UFC, man. She is an animal. And we talk to a bloke who's taking on boxing's pound for pound best. I got this message... Do you want the Golovkin fight? <laughs> you know, and I had to, to double double check my phone and say, you know, "Is this message so, for me?" Is this is this <laughs> message,
1: you know what, my echo folder is it. So, <laughs> <coughs> this is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes Store.
0: Right there, my man. UFC two hundred, or should we just refer to all last week as International Fight Week because so much went on from Thursday through Friday through Saturday. Some of them let me uh left me a little bit disappointed I'll be honest with you nick but some of them mm. really stood up uh, to the test of time your overall synopsis first of all on ufc fight week
1: it was 35 fights wasn't it and I, I remember this last year and the year before when i was actually in vegas for the event as well it's it's hard it's a slog you know by the by the you know the main, the end of the main card, the, the post fight press conference on the Saturday night. You know the, all the journalists in the room are just like the Walking Dead. You know it's like nobody wants to see another fight for as long as they shall live. And then quite bizarrely, there's a UFC event on Wednesday. Yeah, there is. There was, is this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's there just is. like God. You know, God forbid if you were like John Morgan, one of these hacks that goes to every single event. He must be absolutely exhausted already. But you know, thirty-five fights in three days. You know, it, it's an, it's from a fight fan's perspective, it's sensational. You know, I've got to be honest. I'm probably more engrossed in this game than than potentially most of our listeners even. And even I haven't seen every single fight yet. Mm. 35 fights yeah, in yeah. 3 days is a lot to digest. But obviously I've seen all the main cards. I've seen I've seen the entirety of UFC 200. I've seen I've seen all the best bits if you like I'll go back and dissect the rest later. But for me it's you know, it's an absolute celebration and then obviously what happened in the aftermath which I'm sure we're going to talk about with the sale and everything else. Well
0: let's go to that because it seems the perfect time, doesn't it? To yep. sell, to, to, to move to the next level for the UFC.
1: Completely. The have the sale now, obviously, it's been rumoured since May, I think it was. Yeah. ESPN and yeah And they denied, kinda, it, and denied you know. it, and denied
0: it, and denied it. Dana, stop denying it, mate, right? Yeah. yeah, It's happening, sunshine. And then he kicks people out of blooming press conferences and bans them from press conferences because they're talking about sales.
1: Dana, it's happening. We know it's know. happening. It's okay, mate. It's fine. It's the first time Dana's really acted like a Premier League Football club, cause they love throwing <laughs> people out of press conferences and stuff. He is giving it a Sir, stories. Sir Alex you know. Ferguson, and he? he's yeah, been exactly, giving it a little yeah. bit of that.
0: But it is fact now; it's happened, yeah. and uh, they've been. Um, well, it's a sports agency, isn't it? WME, uh, IMG. They are a sports agency. They look after the likes of Ronda Rousey.
1: So yeah, you, well, I, so IMG is a sports agency. Yeah, WME, William Morris Endeavor, that's like a, a Hollywood super agency. Ac- yeah, p- predominantly actors and you know a lot of a lot of high end sports. And whereas IMG, they're probably the biggest sports agency in the world. And they've got vested world.
0: interest anyway because some of their athletes are already in the uh, UFC.
1: Of course, yeah, yeah, exactly. So th- there's a massive crossover there. You know, Ari, the, guy, the head guy who runs um, WME. Um, is a guy called Ari. Well, the the character from the TV series Entourage, Ari Gold, hmm. is actually based on him, loosely based on him. This guy's like you know, Mr. Hollywood. He's like a super agent, but the, he's been a huge UFC fan for a very long time. You know, he's a good pal of Dana and the and the Fajita brothers that yeah. formerly owned the UFC. You know, they it's not like this has come in from the from you know, come come out of the blue. These people have worked together previously, and know Ari and and his agency actually actually, helped the UFC broker the Fox deal a yeah. couple of years ago. Yeah. The biggest deal the UFC has ever had for TV. So, you know, these guys have, have been integral, really, in the development in the UFC already. What you've got now is you're in a position where, you're right, they've got in the UFC, the in- infrastructure at the top now is phenomenal. The executives that they've got based out of Las Vegas is unbelievable. Talk about some of the best executives from around the world in their chosen field. There's literally, a, you know, there's... A, an American football team or two of just pure executives just pure lawyers you know finance experts everything based in Vegas they 're ready now for that next step but what it needs is it needs a, it needs a drive of capital it needs a drive of fresh ownership to take it to that next level obviously William Morrison Devon IMG contacts all over the world you know the Golden Goose that the UFC the fatita brothers it's hard to say they never cracked one part of the world you know i'm, I'm talking about asian in particular yeah it's, it's hard to say they haven't they never really cracked asia because they just sold a company for four billion dollars that mm. 15 years ago was 20 million dollars in the hole so it's impossible to say uh but you know they never really did that did they? because what they have achieved has never been done in sports before never ever been done in sports any sports nobody has taken a product like they have and re- the returns of it are up 200,000%. Mm. You know, the UFC sold for four, And it's growing. Billion. It's Dollars. still growing. Of course it is. Of course it is. But put it into some perspective, the UFC is worth as much as Star Wars. <laughs> Disney bought Star Wars off George Lucas for $4 billion. The UFC have just sold... You know, the, the owners have just sold UFC for $4 billion. Not only that, kind of like George Lucas... Dana's still going to be president. Hmm. And the Fatisa brothers are going to retain some kind of minority shareholding as well. Yeah. They're still going to be involved in the company. I think that's important, isn't it? Because, inter- because obviously the f-
0: because you don't want to neglect fans. Obviously, when someone invests $4 billion in a product, they're doing it because they believe, one, that product's going to make them even more money in the future. Um, however, you don't want to, obviously, commercialise it too much, therefore the fans then end up losing out. One good thing about this is, is that, there are markets that they, as you just alluded to, that they haven't really fully tapped into. No. Yes, America, Europe, and Europe, South America. Yeah, yeah, even, America and South America. Yeah, America and South America are smashed. But here yeah. in Europe, there's a massive opportunity now, especially with us having our first UK world champion. Bispin, real opportunity yeah. to kick on.
1: Well, but you know, I think Europe are used to getting over the last ten years. You know. At, at the best we get five or six events in Europe and that's because the UFC team based in London are a phenomenal team, you know. They're really driving this market. But they're driving this market and they've always had their they've always been on a short leash from Las Vegas. I totally understand that. What I think what will happen next is that that final step forward where you'll see twenty you know, why not twenty events in Europe? Why not do, you know, Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham and Newcastle every year. Mm. Major cities because yeah. they would sell out. You know they, these events would sell out because there's the talent out there, the fan bases out there, and that's just the UK. Well, London, the London, the London Asia event recently
0: proved that, didn't it? When there wasn't a title on the on the on the line for the main event, oh, all yeah. right, it was Anderson Silva. Yes, it was Michael Bisping, but it wasn't there wasn't a title no, on the line there? But we no, still sold it, it out. when it
1: sold out, when it sold out, it was Michael Bisping versus Degard Mousasi. Yeah, that's right. As yeah. main that was the only fight announced. It sold out, and then it got changed to Bisping versus Anderson Silver. That it was already sold out by then. Glasgow sold out. Ireland, you know, even without Conor McGregor on cards, it sells out. You know, Wales are desperate for an event. Scotland are desperate for them to go back. Obviously, Liverpool. We, Liverpool's never had a UFC event. I'm sure the Liverpool event would sell out fast as well. And I say that's just the UK market that we're talking about. Just the British market. The rest of Europe sells out just as fast. Don't mm. forget, two years ago in Stockholm, Sweden. That was the second biggest UFC event at that time. They did a stadium show in in Stockholm, so there's certainly the appeal out there. And I think, obviously, 15 years, those two brothers, the Fatia brothers, took a sport, a, a very much a if well, let's be honest, it wasn't even a sport when they bought it. It mm. was a it was a bit of a circus freak show. It was no holds barred fighting. It was anything goes. It was, yeah, they
0: cleaned up the health and safety most, most definitely straight away, they didn't they? Didn't
1: they? They knew exactly what they were doing. They got in there, they pushed for the unified rules and then they pushed to get it on TV. That was the key. Let's get it on TV. Let's get people watching it. The more people I watch it, this thing will take off. And it was their drive and Dana White's drive that made this, in, not just the UFC, it, they made mixed martial arts. They drove yeah. mixed martial arts to where it is today, and the sport owes a huge gratitude to those guys. But I think it's great that they're still going to be involved. And as I say, the people that have bought the UFC, and I think one of the one of the investors as well as the guy who, who the founder, the owner of Dell Computers, Mister Dell, he's one of the four that are investing as well. So you're talking about very serious businessman with m- the businessmen with incredible amounts of cash, but. Th- the key here is they've been involved with the UFC previously. They mm. know what they're getting into. They know what they're buying, and they let's be honest, for the, these four investors, if you like, these four new new owners, that you touched on it. Then they've only spent four billion dollars on the UFC because in ten years' time they want it to be worth eight billion dollars. Mm. Of course they do. They want to see it grow even bigger. And for me, you know, all those years of Dana White and the Fatia brothers saying this thing is going to be the biggest sport on the planet, you know, second only to soccer. As you, you know, soccer is the word they like to use. Don't pull me up on it again. <laughs> Don't pull me up on it again. I'll leave you alone. Go <laughs> on. <laughs> but uh but that's what Dana, you know, he's he's always it's gonna be bigger than soccer, it's gonna be bigger than soccer. You know, judging by the European championships last week, that's no that's not gonna be no mean feat. UFC two mm. hundreds, international fight week was far more entertaining than European championships. It was absolutely diabolical.
0: Mm. And you you say International Fight Week, basically three days. Three days.
1: Three days of fights and it yeah. was just you know okay there was when you've got thirty five fights going on in in one city in such a small small window you know obviously there's going to be one or two. One or two stinkers in there, but yeah. for me, you know, there was at least twenty-five. Okay, all right, let's really get to it. Fights. Let's
0: get to it, then, man. Let's get to it. We've, we we haven't seen everything, like you just said. There was some undercard that I haven't seen from Thursday night, um, yeah. from the Rafael Dos Anjos, El uh, de Alvarez. By the way, unbelievable. I, I don't want to talk about every fight because we'll get too we'll get too engrossed in it and we'll we'll just lose our our, our, our train of thought. So, first of all, first question to you: What was you can only have one? What was oh. your fight of the week?
1: Uh, Fight of the week was categorically the tough final. Unbelievable on Friday night. That
0: snap. That's it. That's, yeah. There's no point in me answering the question. Jack, Gudera was
1: absolutely unreal. It really was. Yeah, yeah. Talk about deliver, you know. And for the first few rounds, I thought, "Don't tell me this belt's changing hands." Yeah, I thought built, Claudia was you know, going to do what's it. Going on this year, the, all the belts are changing hands. But my goodness, the Joanna, Joanna champion, like come back down the stretch in the championship rounds, in my tie was just ridiculous. Yeah. But that was that's the best fight the strawweight, the women's strawweight divisions ever had, and f- so far that's the best opponent that Joanna Jedrzejczek ever had as well. So it bodes really well for that division. I just hope somebody else now can step up to kind of their level. But for me, by a country mile, number one and number two on the planet in a strawweight division. What a fight. And to be honest, that wasn't a fight that I thought Sam. I didn't think it was going to be that good. I, well, you know, I'd I, 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 yeah. I, I thought she'd do to Godella like she's done to everybody yeah. else. Just be too big, too strong, too fast. But um it was sensational. I don't know whether it was because she started slow or whether Godella just had the right tactics or what. You know, she just kind of outgunned her for the first two rounds. Mm. But then, you know, the champion proved why exactly why she is the champion down a stretch. That. Out of all 35 fights, that was definitely my fight of the week.
0: Snap. So you've just pissed all over my parade. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> I thought that you might go Eddie Alvarez and his performance against Rafael Dos Anjos okay, because he blew him then. away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let me flip it back on you then. Give me your fight. Uh, not fight of the week, performance then. What was your performance? You go first this time. What was your performance okay. of the whole week?
0: Individual performance of the week? Yes. The one that I was most impressed with, Ken Velasquez. Really? Seriously, just because he came... I know that obviously his opponent, uh, big boy Travis Brown, wasn't necessarily the the elite level that Kane's been used to. I just like the way that Kane came back from injury. He came in, he absolutely blitzed him. I mean, I've been practising that spinning kick, mate, all all weekend. (laughs) I I think I've actually pulled my hamstring, I'm going to go with it. You know what I mean? Um, Sensational stuff. He he impressed me a lot, did Kane, and I don't think he's too far away from getting back in that mix uh, with the World Heavyweight
1: shot. 100% 100% he's back in the mix if he can stay fit. As long as he stays fit, Kane has got to be in the mix because on his day, you know, he's, he's the best heavyweight on the planet. I truly believe that. Mm. And that and kick, you know when you kind of like, you have one of those WTF what-the-fuck moments. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like, so d- he what, should be, what, be able to do that. a back kick. He's too fat.
0: He's too big, man. He shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be able to do that. What's he doing? It was uh, unbelievable,
1: no, yeah. They were good though as well. Both of them were really sharp kicks. He didn't have get yeah, some yeah, spin yeah. and some, you know, that was a great performance.
0: That Eddie Alvarez was, was a brilliant performance on Thursday night.
1: That was that was my that was my performance of the week. That for me, he bum rushed him, was, didn't he? He just went in yeah. and smashed
0: the living daylights out of
1: Rafael Dos Anjos. I know he's looked just incredible in his run to the title, and then defeating Pettis, and then yeah. you know defending it so efficiently and everything else. He's just, he's just looked like a killer. And for me, I just thought, you know, is is nice guy Eddie going to come up short again? He just doesn't seem to have. Got that momentum yet in the UFC? Mm. Okay, got a couple of wins after losing on his pro debut on his uh, UFC debut. But then he was with Blackzilians, and then he left Blackzilians, and now he was back in Philadelphia. But he was kind of being coached by Mark Henry in New York. And I just thought, oh, your head's a little bit here, there, and everywhere. I don't, you know, are you, are you focused? Have you got the right, you know, have you got the right game plan? But then when I watched the countdown show last week, counting down to it, I discovered that Rafael Desanos had spent most of his camp not with. Is head coach Rafael Cadero, in in uh, in California, but actually out at um, in Singapore. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, that, that's unusual. You know, I can't think he's getting the world's greatest boxing, you know, kind of sparring yeah. out in Singapore because Eddie's predominantly a boxer fighter. You know, come grappler. I thought that's that's unusual that he's gone out there and then. You know, he seemed to be doing a lot of jiu-jitsu when he was out there in a lot of Thai boxing. and thought, okay, you know, fair enough. But then when the fight happened, you know, Eddie Alvarez just completely and utterly great, steamed him. Absolutely great. steamed him. As soon as he got him hurt, there was no letting him off the hook. I thought yeah. he was magnificent. And... um you no, know, I think he's the first guy to hold. So you know, he's he's won like a Bellator title. He's won a Dream title. He was a champion in Japan. Hmm. It's it, it's a fantastic story. And to be honest, he's a hell of a guy as well. Adi Alvarez, an absolute diamond. So it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke.
0: I don't want to dwell on this too much, but as if we, neither of us have just mentioned Amanda Nunes and what she did to Miesha Tate. That, that was my second.
1: That was my second one because, <laughs> that was my second favorite performance of the week. And the only reason it wasn't number one is um, just because. I knew that was going to be a good fight. You know, I didn't think Amanda Nunes was as much of an It kind of panned out we spoke about it last week, not it?
0: We said that Nunes early, first, five, first 10 minutes, Amanda Nunes. If it goes beyond that, Misha Tate will get her in the championship rounds with a chokehold. But she didn't let her get to that point. She just nailed her early.
1: She really did. It was, exa- you know, similar to Eddie Alvarez in a lot of ways. She yeah. got Misha Hurt and she just didn't let her off the hook. She and bust her up, man. But even when Misha, obviously, you could see Misha was in trouble. She she'd smashed her nose to bits. You know there was a, there was a lot of blood. She was obviously disorientated. And Misha with she was desperately trying to shoot for a takedown, desperately trying to yeah, shoot yeah, for yeah, a double yeah. leg. But Nunez's takedown defense was sensational, and she's got great jujitsu anyway. But you could tell she was. I've hit you on your feet. You're staying on your feet. I'm going to finish you on your mm. feet. And that's exactly what happened. and I think Misha just kind of got caught up in a whole, you know, this whole like smoke screen. But th- how exciting! Is that women's bantamweight division now? You know, don't forget. Twelve months ago, bring on Ronda. Was, we were just like, you know, Ronda. R- no one's going to beat Ronda. No one's going to beat Ronda. What a shame. You know, too, oh no, don't, don't. It's too early for Holly Holm. She's she's only a novice. Ronda's a killer. Who's going to beat? And now, since then, you know, in the last twelve months or whatever it is, we've had four brand new, you know, four champions of that belt. That mm. division is absolutely wide open. And I think Holly Holm wins her next fight. I think she fights. Amanda Nunes next because Misha Tate versus Ronda Rousey co-support in New York in November. That's got to happen as a final eliminator, surely. That's the fight I think that'll that'll tease Ronda back into the octagon because she's beat Misha before. Mm. Right, I'll come back into Misha, then I'll have a title shot. Rather than just throwing her straight into a title shot, you know. I think that could be the way Ronda comes back. But, um, but yeah, hell of a performance by Amanda Nunes. Hell of a performance by... Eddie Alvarez, what about big bad boy Brock? What did you make of Brock's? <laughs> well, performance? well,
0: this is where I'm at, right, with this, because my next question for you is this, right? I think I'm gonna to have to put a stipulation on this. What is your biggest letdown of international fight week? Your biggest letdown. Now, when I say I've got to put a stipulation on it, apart from John Jones, I think both our answers will be John Jones letting us down badly. Yeah. So if we take him out of it, what apart from John Jones was your biggest letdown? Do
1: you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, of course. Please. Mark
0: Mark Hunt, he's my biggest letdown. Because I thought that he'd just come and start swinging from the hitman. man, just lay it on him. There's no way if you get taken down by Brock Lesnar, there's no way you are winning this fight. So start swinging, and he didn't do it. He didn't let the guns go.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was um, the problem with the problem with Brock, though. If you you know if you if you start swinging wildly and he takes you down, he's just gonna beat the beat the crap out of you. I think Mark probably gave him a little bit too much respect in hindsight. You know, because as we know, Mark Hunt only had to catch him with a with a a you know a flash blow and mm. he was probably going to be in a little bit of trouble. But um, yeah, I, d- I don't know. It's a, for me, probably... You obviously disagree, Nick. It's fine if you disagree, well, mate. It, it, I do disagree to some extent because I'm just glad Brock's back. He's back in the mix, you know, and I hopefully I, I just want that to tease him to fight again. You know, I want to see him fight for the title again. Whether you're a big fan of Brock or not, don't get me wrong, I know Brock's got his flaws, mm. but that's what makes him so entertaining. You no, know, yeah, he has. He can't take a shot, but he's just fought the most biggest hitter in the UFC after a five-year hiatus and beat him, put him down, beat him up. You know, Marcon didn't land that shot, so I want to see Brock fight again. If he'd have lost that fight, we'd never see him again. We probably, we may never see him again anyway. Who knows with Brock? You know, he never answers a he never answers a question without a question himself. So, but I was just happy that Brock came back like that. Um, On to
0: my yeah. What's your biggest letdown apart from JJ?
1: My biggest letdown is, and I've you know, he's let us down before. Aside from John Jones, of course, Johnny Hendricks. What's going on with Johnny Hendricks, man? What, what you know, what has happened mm. to his career after his performance against George Saint Pierre when he was you know denied the title in a fight that a lot of people thought that he won, yeah, very close split decision, you know, and then he obviously George retired and he beat Robbie Lawler, he won that title, and he looked like his reign was going to be again. And then since then, you know, he's gone. He's gone one for three, but not only that, it's it's this weight cutting issue. Yeah, I just can't make welterweight. He just, can't, you know, his career has been hampered by the fact that he struggles to make weight. And okay, it wasn't a huge amount of weight. He missed it by this time. <laughs> just, but he still well,
0: missed it. Let's talk about that, right? Because I I, I, t- I text you when he missed <laughs> weight. This is hilarious. So Ariel Hawani, right? Who is a well-renowned uh, journalist in the UFC? I, I've, I've checked the tweet. And Ariel put on, on his Twitter that Johnny Hendricks missed weight by 25 pounds, right? Two stone. He's missed it by two stone. So I'm like, what? So I text Nick straight away. Say, Have you just seen that Johnny Hendricks has missed weight by two stone? And I was giving him so much shit. I was going for alpha for leather, and Nick's joining in with me. And, and then Nick obviously then checked it. And he went, no, mate, he's missed it by 25 pounds. <laughs>
1: Slight bit of difference there, Put, just a touch, which, just, take just a touch. Back there, John, a few years Yeah, John, DNA. I
0: apologise, mate. You know what yeah. I mean. I, I thought that maybe you'd been on the Gregs or something, but you hadn't, obviously. But it is an issue. Even if you're missing it by twenty five ounces, I mean, we saw a few fighters do that, didn't we? Misha nearly missed weight. She had to strip right down in order to uh, to miss weight. She was in the in the sweat tank. She was in the salt baths, everything like that, to get the weight off her. It is a problem at the moment.
1: The thing is, because they've introduced this brand new weigh-in time, yeah. you know, As we discussed on last week's last week's show, the the weigh-in now that we see on TV and everything else, it's a fake they're it. now they're yeah. now fake. You know, it, they actually weigh in that morning between eight and ten a.m. at the hotel. They can use it's the nice one in the
0: afternoon though as as legit if they if they miss weight in the morning though.
1: They um no, I don't think they can because I thought that, but with the Misha Tate thing, everyone was reporting in Vegas. Everyone was saying if Misha because Misha actually weighed in something like one minute to ten. But they all said if Misha had missed that, um, the fight would have been off. Or if she'd have missed weight, it would have been a non-title fight, a oh, right. I thought
0: so, that this can have a go in the morning and then it's a checker. So therefore, all right, you can take that no, weight. No, but it, if you're, it, you're over, the then you've got... Weigh-in. But then if you're over, you can get in the sweatsuit and then knock it off in
1: three no, hours No, the, the official weigh-in now is between 8 and 10, the, day, the morning of the weigh-in. Right. So it's like 36 hours before the fight. Um because they've they've they reckon it's safe enough yeah, to you recuperate, get an extra yeah. twelve hours to recover or whatever. So yeah. no, no, if Misha had missed missed weight then the fight would have been off. And then the UFC would have had to rebrand the whole thing. That was what made it so crazy because they just reshuffled it and put Misha as the main event after John Jones dropping out and Anderson Silva coming in and all this all this complete craziness! It was actually right. Misha's main event, then she's in the title fight, and then a couple of hours later, she she weighs in with one minute to go. Yeah, and as you say, she had to strip naked naked to make weight. As as it turned out, she actually made weight. You know, about half a pound or something. She, didn't yeah, you? she was she was half a pound inside anyway. So, um, it's it's a strange one, and I think we may have a few more and problems with this new weigh in time. But mm. you know, they did it all over the weekend, and I think there was only. I think it was only, or the only only high profile one certainly was Johnny Hendricks. He was the only one that missed weight. Mm. But, you know, last week, if someone had said to us, Adam, one fighter's going to miss weight next week, who's your money on? Mm. Well, those two, Kevin, Kelvin G- Gastelum, and Johnny Hendricks, who were fighting each other at welterweight, they were. We would have put our mortgage on both of those guys doing it. Not that, not that we live together. Let's just get that across. We haven't got a mortgage, but our mortgage mortgages. We'd have bet on that, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. Yeah. We knew one of them was going to struggle to I'd make. T- weight t- 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 what and I Again, t- it was Johnny Hendricks. i t- will t- 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 tell
0: you what. I also love regarding making weight. Right in the heavyweight division, there is a limit on it. I mean, a lot of people don't think there's a, a limit on it. There is a limit: two hundred and sixty-five pounds. I love the fact that Mark Hunt has to lose weight to make heavyweight.
1: No, isn't that incredible? And when you look out. <laughs> Big is as well. I know.
0: Both those guys are just absolutely <laughs> huge. Yeah, I've got the sweatsuit on. I'm, I can't make every weight, so I'm just slimming down to 265 pounds. What a lad! Love him. Not um, three things that you take away from uh, International Fight Week, then.
1: Um, number one, whatever you do when you watch UFC, do not miss the prelims. Do not miss the yeah, prelims. There's now, a
0: lot of fights on there that where people are trying oh to make a name for my themselves, my isn't there?
1: God. The prelims throughout the entire weekend were absolutely ridiculous. Can I ask you, you know, a question
0: about one of the prelims? Sage Northcutt, yeah? How did he not tap out with that armbar?
1: You know what? That reminded me of uh, of Dan Hardy when he fought GSP. I thought he was going to break ago. his arm. He wasn't going to give know. it up. That is literally down to, you know, having big cojones and just going that. Nah. Or he's double-jointed. I'm, <laughs> I'm just refusing to, to tap to that, yeah. it was uh, It was a real... You know, what I think, to be honest, because he's had so many doubters since his last defeat... Yeah, fair play, man. It, it really upsets me, I think, when I see a lot of fans certainly attacking Sage online, you know, going, oh, ah, yeah, he's supposed to be this, he's supposed to be that. Oh, you know, the fact that he's on good money, and by good money, I mean he's getting paid a lot more than guys that have been in the UFC for five or ten years, this guy. That's not his fault. He's, he's not to blame for that. You can't blame the kid for taking up under $1000 per fight. He's the UFC are offering him under $1000 a fight because they see potential in him. Mm. But at the end of the day, he's still only 20, mm. 19, 20 is a baby. We you know, don't he's come from a karate a sport karate background where he was an absolute phenom. Now he's coming to MMA with the acceptance, okay, I'll come into MMA now. UFC have obviously signed him up because you can see the potential in him. You know, he looks like a he looks like a model. You know, behaves fantastically. You know, complete role model, and he's got supreme talent in the stand up. Yes, his ground game is massively wanting. So the UFC, even though he's on good money, they're not hanging him out to dry and putting him in title fights, putting him in with former champions and stuff because he will lose. You know, they've got to. It's almost it's it's like the first for me. It's kind of like the first real. Career that's very boxing esque. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They've brought him into the UFC, potentially a little bit too young, potentially a little bit too inexperienced, but they're shaping his career a little bit more. You know, they're giving him the Anthony Joshua treatment, and that's no digger, Anthony Joshua, or any boxer, because that's just how boxing works. You know, you, unless you're someone like Lomachenko, at, at, you know, I like to get his name in every show, <laughs> unless like someone like Lomachenko is just an absolute freak. Then most careers, in, the, in certainly in, the, in in boxing and increasingly in MMA, they just need a little bit of guidance. That's yeah. all. You know, you don't need to be fighting the world number one in your second fight just because you're on good money. You know, they they've got to try and build him into something a bit special. Thought so that was a good opponent for him. The guy took it to him, that Marin. He had a much better ground game, but kudos to kudos to. Um, to Sage for riding it out, what was a painful-looking armbar, and then ultimately getting the decision. And I thought he deserved the decision as well. He deserved the win. So, mm, absolutely. But the prelims, the prelims all weekend. You know, I think the the card on Thursday night, first four or five fights were, were submission finishes. Then the prelim cards on Friday night, the the fight pass cards, two knockouts. Then UFC 200, two more knockout first round knock uh, three more. Sorry, first round knockouts. It was the prelim cards. You know. Anyone that follows UFC knows that if you go to a UFC event, you don't miss the first fight because the guy in the first fight has got just as much right to win the fifty thousand dollar performance yeah. of the like bonus as the guy in the main event. And you know, I'm still I'm still surprised that the Ian hasn't brought something like that into boxing. You know, I don't even know whether the British Boxing Board of Control would allow it. He did with know?
0: prize fight, didn't he? You get a he knockout did, bonus yeah. for knocking dudes out.
1: Exactly. So I don't understand why that hasn't been brought into a, a normal Saturday Night Live boxing as well. Why not? Mm. Just go, right, whoever's the best night. Right? You get a £20,000 20, yeah. bonus, £50,000 bonus. That would spare me on if I was the first guy on the undercard. Yeah, absolutely. And not, not if I was the journeyman and I was fighting the kid who was only in his second professional fight. That would spare me on as well. Think, I don't know, bingo this kid and make twenty grand. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? So, absolutely. And that's, from a fan's perspective, that's a good thing. We so, want fights to be more entertaining.
0: Don't miss the prelims. What's number two on your list?
1: Number two on my list is um, well, you know, I touched on it just then, but the women's bantamweight division is ridiculous. You know, also on Saturday night, Juliana Penna beat Katzengarno. Hmm. Katzengarno, before she lost, you know, I think R- Ronda um, on in him like thirteen seconds or whatever it was. I can't. You kind of put that down to a bit of a. Aldo McGregor, you know, after seeing we'll touch on it in a minute. After seeing Aldo's performance against Frankie Edgar on Saturday, I want to see Aldo versus McGregor too. Same. Because that was the worst that was the worst thing I've ever seen all Jose Aldo do in his career was run into Connor's left hook.
0: And then you compare it to the Frankie Edgar fight and he looks supreme, man. His defense was back at his best. His defence was a, back at his it best. was a joke how good his defence was. You couldn't take him down, you couldn't lay no. a finger on him, he beat Edgar up. It was it was just yeah. a masterclass.
1: He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And, you know, obviously after Connor's performance against Jose Aldo, I was like, oh, you know, the reason he's moved up is because Frankie is like his kryptonite. Frankie Edgar's not what he wants to face. Frankie Edgar's ground, he's too relentless, his, his wrestling's too good. You know, that's the worst fight possible for uh, Connor McGregor. But after watching Jose Aldo's performance against Edgar at the weekend... I've completely and utterly flipped 180 degrees on that now. Now I think Edgar's an easy fight for Conor McGregor because he just couldn't handle Jose Aldo's size and length mm. and his striking, and that's exactly what Conor brings to the table, potentially at a whole another level above Jose Aldo. But so that, I'm I'm kind of glad Aldo won for that fact because, you know, in hindsight now, Edgar's an easier fight for McGregor in my opinion than what Jose Aldo is now because Jose Aldo. Performing like he did on Saturday night, if he can do that against Conor McGregor, and you know has said now after Conor's fight with Nate Diaz, win, lose or draw, Conor has got to fight Jose Aldo. That's what the president of the UFC has said. You know, hopefully he'll stick to his way because I want to see that fight. I want to see Conor back down at 145 because he's made the whole 145 division wait. So they've done they've done what he does. You know, they've done what they've had to. They've had to wait for him. He's got to come back now and a fight with Jose with Jose Aldo or oh, this Jose Aldo. Could be fight of the year. Prelims women's bands and weight is booming. Your last one, um, my last one is a. I just want to doth thy cap, if I may. <laughs> I just want to doth thy cap to the great Anderson Silva. Now, not necessarily because of his performance, because you know that was that was potentially one of the worst fights of the week. You know that's that that's fine, and I, and you know, I think you've got to understand what. Went down there to truly appreciate the amount of pressure on everybody. You know, Anderson Silva was in Las Vegas to present his mentor, Antonio uh, Nogueira, with his Hall of Fame membership. The UFC swore Nogueira into the Hall of Fame over the weekend, and Anderson Silva was a guest there to present it to his good friend and mentor, and it was all very lovely and razzmatazz great. Then John Jones, obviously, you know, he likes the blue touch paper on his career once again. God knows what's going to happen to him now. And they, they, they're they desperate then to for Cormier not to miss out. You know, it's the biggest event in the history of the sport and Daniel Cormier has done absolutely nothing wrong and suddenly he's no longer the headline act. Suddenly he's no longer getting a cut of the pay-per-views. Suddenly he's no longer getting any wages. And you think the amount of time he must have invested in is own camp and regardless of it being john jones the time he's invested in being part of this incredible biggest anniversary event in the history of the sport and yet through no fault of his own his opponent drops off within 48 hours mm. of the actual fight happening so to again to then get someone like An- of anderson silver's level of his legacy if you like you know and don't get me wrong I've written it previously as well. There's a massive debate whether Anderson Silva is the greatest of all time. In my opinion, you know, prior to the weekend, I was like, well, for me, when he was champion, he did ins- he did sensational things. But look at who he beat compared to who John Jones has beat. Look at his reign compared to how destructive Jose Aldo was at his pump. Look at his reign compared to how, you know, just supremely athletic and dominant George St-Pierre was and I I wasn't convinced for me you know Fido as well had a, a bit of a shout in there for his legacy in the pride days as a heavyweight I always kind of put a little asterisk next to it when I said, yeah, Anderson Silva, the greatest of all time. But to do what he did, to step up like that, to face Daniel Cormier up at light heavyweight, to save Daniel Daniel, Daniel Cormier's whole fight camp and to keep this card together and keep that level of interest there. And, and to
0: go the distance.
1: To go the distance as well. Okay, he lost every round, but that was no th- fault of his own. Mm. Daniel Cormier fought the fight. He had to fight. Imagine if Daniel... And I, I totally agree with Daniel Cormier here. Uh, from a fan's perspective, you know, um, I, we didn't watch it together on Saturday night Adam but I know what went down in your liver, living room yeah I went to sleep I went to bed <laughs> oh I, th- I thought
0: you'd have watched it and been like
1: stand him up Yes yeah, stand
0: it. him up well, well that's on one of my three things that's on one of my three things man I th- I've come to the stand con- up. I've come to my conclusion that I can't stand wrestlers They they do do me head in. Now, (laughs) I I, I understand the the appeal of Brock Lesnar. I totally understand it, yeah? But then when he's just sat on some dude, I think to myself, stand them up, ref. Stand them up and just let him go toe-to-toe. And I'm screaming at the TV. Daniel Cormier is obviously, I know he's a supreme wrestler. Supreme wrestler. uh, And I know that that's his his thing in order to go and win um, Ultimate Fighting Championship matches. But when he's just on the deck, grappling away with someone like Anderson Silva, I just find it a bit, tedious and boring and I'm screaming at the TV stand them up stand yeah. them up doesn't happen for me so I switch off when the wrestlers are on and that's one of my things on my three things that I take away from USC 200 I hate wrestlers there you go Yeah,
1: that's that's a perfectly natural response from this side of the this side of the pond though as well you know because we love strikers that's, we're brought up on yeah Boxing and kickboxing, and, and you know we love a good knockout. We're British, we're Europeans. That's what we live for. Stop cuddling. We, haven't, we, we don't we don't we don't wrestle at school, do we? Right. But if you were if you watch that event at Penn State University or whatever, they'd have all lost their shit when Cormier he got, took Anderson down. Woo, yeah, man, pin him, baby. Woo, that's what they love in it. They <laughs> to, love be fair, to be fair, to be fair, when when Brock
0: was taking down Mark Hunt and he slammed him to the deck, I thought to myself, that's actually pretty cool. But then yeah, the, yeah. but then the rest of it, I just didn't feel it, man. Number yeah. two, number two on my list, by the way, and I don't. We, we've discussed pound for pounds in the, in the in the past, and mine obviously is Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson. That's where I go all the time for this. However, I'm changing my mind now. Pound for pound, you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Johanna Jedrzejek. Yeah. You cannot argue with this woman. You can't argue with it. She's the only undefeated uh, champion. At this moment in time in the UFC. She's smashing everybody for living daylights out of. I mean, a fight against Claudia on Friday night. Yes, she got beat up for two rounds. And I thought to myself, hey, we're going to see a, a belt change hands here, which I didn't anticipate to happen. But then the last three rounds, from three, four and five, the hand speed, never mind how hard she hits, never mind the combinations that she throws, the speed of her hands when she's making connections i would tell you something, she would give a lot of blocks in lower weight divisions a lot of trouble in the UFC, man. She is an animal.
1: She is, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And, um, you know, you're not the only person out there as well. That's that's kind of stating as there as the right up there with the pound for pounds now as well. That was, uh, for me, that was... It was the fact that we haven't seen her in trouble before, really. Mm. You know, we haven't really seen her have to dig deep like she had to there. Oh, she was
0: wobbled a few times. Oh, she turned it A a couple of times, yeah. She really did, yeah. Uh, Do you want to know my final one? Yes, please. i I tossed this up uh, and it landed on this particular one. So the the final thing that I will take away from uh, UFC 200 is not that I can't do the spinning Cain Velasquez kick. It's nothing to do with (laughs) that, even though that was the other one that I was going to go for. Uh, The final thing that I will take away from UFC 200 is Justin Timberlake fancies himself as a UFC fighter. <laughs> Did you see the fella's death stare?
1: Yeah. What a picture was, that was, he was, by the
0: way. Whoever caught that picture, what that is sensational. With, it was uh, unbelievable, yeah. Frank Yeager, Josie Aldo in the octagon. Obviously, they've, they've been looking for the shot. They've been looking for Conor McGregor in the background. But then, all of a sudden, to catch... Pussy bonus. Yeah, exactly. To catch over the shoulder uh, his mate, Justin Timberlake, giving it the death stare as well. I thought to myself, hang hey, on, well, there's a bit of fierce there from sexy back. You could get in there. Go on, son. Get in there, lad. Get a bit of a tear up. Maybe that's where the UFC could go now because obviously they've branched, they've 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 brought in uh, WWE stars, Brock's in there, CM Punk's in there. Maybe they mm. need to go into the entertainment industry and bring in some pop stars, yeah, yeah. and put them in the octagon. i would tell you something, I'd pay good money to watch Bieber get the shit kicked out of him. I really, I really <laughs> would
1: get that in there. Listen, don't be picking on my mate. Just. I'm, a, I'm a believer, you know this. I'm a massive believer. I would like to see, on that point actually, that's a, that's a good one. Who would I like to see? You know I think could throw down? Cause she looks like a right bitch. Jennifer Lopez. I reckon I think, she would, I think yeah. she could fight. I reckon you know, she'd, I, she'd, I reckon she'd fight, be a dirty
0: like. wrestler inside. on the inside her. She'd buy yeah. a bit, I reckon.
1: This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store.
0: Let's move on to boxing the big story is obviously the Kell Brook stuff we'll get to that in a minute I just want to touch upon a show that's happening in Cardiff uh, this weekend uh, fantastic for our boy Jazza I mean he came into the studio when the initial Rigondo fight was announced that was due to be just a 10 rounder in his home city taking on what many people class as one of the best pound for pound uh, boxers on the planet now yep. we know what happened visa issues and various things like that he got let down that fight did not happen Okay, it's not happening in his home city, of Liverpool. He's got to go to Cardiff for this. But to get a, sh- a title shot, a world title shot, WBA super bantamweight title on the line, twelve rounds against one of the best—what an opportunity for Jazza to really stake a claim in, in on the world scene this weekend.
1: It's phenomenal, and he uh, he deserves it. I'm just glad that you know the whole Rigondeaux camp were, were true to their word, mm. and they've. Um, you know they've come back and given him a shot because Jazza stepped up on a time and nobody nobody in the world wants a piece of Regondal N- nobody in the world still wants a piece of him but um you know i'm just glad that Jazza got his just rewards and uh I, it's disappointing because i think in his hometown in front of his friends and his family and his city that have supported him throughout his entire career it, i think we might have seen an extra an extra 5% out of Jazza i think it's tough travelling away down to cardiff it'll be a, a big cold arena, you know, the, the reception for Ragondo is probably going to be as loud as it is for Jazza Dickens, yeah. if not louder, so it won't actually feel like it's on home turf in terms of it being the UK and I think that could, that could work against him. I think if it was here and the, the, the pressure he was under would bring out the best of him, don't get me wrong, I think Jazza Dickens, I'd put him in with anybody in the world and he's an absolute diamond of a kid and, I hope he gets everything he deserves, but it's uh, for me the test went up a notch when it was confirmed for this weekend in Cardiff, and I just pray that he uh, that he produces the performance that he's. That he deserves really because as I say he's stepped up hasn't he and and Mm. nobody else wanted it.
0: Seems the thing at the moment stepping up. We'll get to Brook in a minute because he's really stepping up against Triple G. Also on that card in Cardiff uh, Terry Flanagan uh, the WBO lightweight champ. Obviously a lot of noise has been made about Terry Flanagan stepping in with Anthony Crawler. Anthony Crawler has gone down the lines of Jorge Linares. Got to take your hat off to him for that particular shot. But Mm -hmm. does Anthony Crawler taking that fight kind of risk the fight with Terry Flanagan because I kind of get the impression from watching Terry and listening to him speak that if Anthony doesn't have a belt to bring to the table, he's probably just going to bypass him and go for Giorgio Linares himself.
1: Yeah, of course he is. And uh, and likewise, if Terry Fanning gets beat, then he won't get a look in mm. either. You know, it's... Got a, uh,
0: he got a tough fight this weekend, two-time... times, is a tough fight. Um, yeah, Farrigan oh, yeah. from South Africa, super featherweight, two-time champion there. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one. This, obviously, it's a different weight now for Farrigan, stepping up yeah. to lightweight, but it is a tough one. I don't expect Terry to just blow him away.
1: No, I don't think so. No, it's um it's a tough opponent. It's a, it's a probably the right opponent. You know, at the end of the day they've get, both these guys are just so exciting and you know, the lightweight division is just absolutely thriving and to have two world champions is is phenomenal. Yes, they're on a collision course. Yes, we all want to see it now. But um timing is everything. You know, I think it will happen eventually, but you know there's a little bit of politics involved as we know, two rival promoters. Mm-hmm. And um I, think, I one, think one. I think one promoter it wants
0: it more than the other.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, and I understand what Terry Flanagan's saying. There. You know, oh, if if Crowley gets beat, then he's 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 out of the title picture. As far as I'm concerned, well, you know, I guarantee Crawler's saying exactly the same thing about you, Mister Flanagan. Mm. You know, and at the end of the day, in my opinion, Anthony Crawley's the world number one. You know, after his last performance, Crawler's above Flanagan in the rankings. As far as I'm concerned. Mm. So for Flanagan to be calling the shots, I think both these guys just need to focus on big fights for them. They need to come through this, you know, their own little tests, if you like, these own next defenses. In in Crawler's terms, a, a huge defense, and um, and we see where we are in two thousand and seventeen. I obviously, from a fight fan's perspective, we we want to see that fight, but from a personal perspective, you know, I, I said this for years when I covered the the box and BT, you know, in Liverpool. It's got to make financial sense. You know, these guys at this level now, they have got to, it's got to be the type of payday that's going to set up both these guys for a long time. And potentially, that kind of money's not on the table yet. I would hazard that's the case. You know, if Terry Flanagan's fighting down in Wales on Saturday night, well, the reason is because he's not selling out arenas in Manchester. Him versus Crawler would sell out an arena, but that's such a big fight. It really needs to be a stadium event. It really needs to generate more dollars mm. to bring in more pounds and potentially... You know, obviously, I know again the revival promoters, so there's issues there. But Flanagan needs to become a bigger name, and Crawler needs to become an even bigger name for that to become a pay-per-view because that's when they'll make serious money. Then mm. that's when they'll see, you know, that's when that kind of fight, uh, all Manchester battle for the unified world titles and Ring magazine. Let's move those, on to boxing. That's when you will, you know, that's when the big money will roll in, and the whole of Manchester will turn up in droves. So it's a shame that big the big test uh, for Terry Flanagan this weekend. though. you're right. He's got to be careful. Don't look too, mm. pa- don't pass no South African.
0: It's a shame that the uh, the Fury Klitschko thing fell through because that Terry Flanagan fight was due to be on there. It would have been nice for yeah. him to fight in Manchester at the arena once again, done a job on Z- uh, on Farna, uh, and just re- just reiterated his uh, his fan base, I suppose, which then would start real noise uh, calling out in um, Manchester.
1: Exactly, yeah. you know, it's got to be all over the Manchester TV and radio and newspapers, building 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 that fight up, and mm. this does him no favors having to go down to Wales, but. Again, I think we're looking at probably looking at next summer for that fight if both guys can hold on to the world title belts.
0: On to the big news. This is ridiculous. It came from absolutely nowhere. We we knew that there were talks, serious talks going on between Triple G's camp and Chris Eubank Jr., a man that's been on this podcast in the past, but very eloquently uh, in the build-up to the fight with Nick Blackwell. I kind of like Eubank Jr. However, there just seems something that doesn't sit right in his camp, whether it is too much involvement uh, with his dad, I don't know. I'm not privy to the ins and outs, but that's how it seems. End of the day, this kid needs to get hold of his own career and, and drive it. If he wants those fights, get in there and drive it. Don't let your dad take control of it because it looks like because his dad's been in control uh, of the negotiations with pay-per-views and money and various things like that, it's fallen through for him. One door shuts, another door opens, opportunity knocks for Kelbrook, and he has been screaming, screaming from the rooftops for a big chance to prove himself against one of the best. Now he's got a chance against the best.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it, you know, it's uh, I think one of the fe- first tweets I read when the fight was announced was actually from Amir Khan. And he was like, kudos to Kel Brook, you know, just don't pull out and uh, go for it, you know, dare to be great. And that <clears throat> it's exactly what he is doing, he's daring to be great. It's a phenomenal test to step up, you know, it's exactly the same as Amir Khan stepping up to fight him, isn't it? It's uh, fight Canelo, it's it's the same kind of thing, same kind of, to move up from welterweight to middleweight, when you've been a career welterweight, uh, Kell Brook's had a phenomenal career, 36 wins, 25 knockouts, you know, he really is a special athlete and a you know, in my opinion, the best welterweight, certainly in this country, potentially the best welterweight on the planet. But he's never going to get the chance to prove he's the best welterweight on the planet, because as we've spoke about... People jump out of the way, man. They don't get in the ring people with him. Don't want People don't want to fight Kell Brook because he doesn't bring enough to the table to make it financially lucrative. You know, he's not a big enough star in the US. Even the UK, you know, there's only a handful of fighters that he can... opponents that he can face, and half those opponents don't want to come to the UK anyway. You know, so it's he was—he's been treading water for so long in that welterweight division. Even though he's a world champion, he hasn't got that big legacy kind of defining fight. And he's obviously taken a—he's taken a you know notice of Amir Khan's attitude. And it's kind of like you know you've got a dare to be great. Kel Brooks proved himself. He, he got into no doubt. Kel Brook turned pro to become world champion. He's done it. He's proved that now. Now it's all about making money. And he ain't gonna make money just defending that world title belt in Sheffield until he eventually gets caught. He's got to do something different. He's got to dare to be great and he's gotta try and do something a bit special. And you're right, this this fight was announced out of nowhere. We all thought it was a complete lockdown for Eubank Jr. And you know, I've read quite a few articles now and a couple of radio interviews with on what happened or what didn't happen. It doesn't matter now because the the chance is gone in terms of Eubank Jr. Certainly gone for now. Um he's gonna have to stand at the back of the queue now and, and wait and see what happens in the aftermath of Calbrook. Brook stepped up, he's got the shot. And um good luck to him. What what the difference for me in this fight in t- compared to Amir Khan is Amir Khan was stepped up to welterweight. When he was when he was first he was a he was a lightweight. Yeah. He grew into a welterweight and then he moved up and for Canelo. So he was always struggling. He was always eating to be at that weight. I would hazard a guess that Kell Brook probably walks round around, around middleweight anyway. Yeah. Potentially a little bit heavier than middleweight. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think there's going to be too much weight difference. You know,
0: there's not going to be too much weight difference between these two because Golovkin isn't a massive middleweight. And and Kelbrook, I mean, it's qu- everybody knows within the industry, he has to absolutely boil Kill himself down to yeah, 147. He has to do that. So like cool. you just said, he walks around right at about 160, maybe even more than that. So I don't think it's going to be too much of a stretch for him to get there. One thing I hope is that he carries his power to 160. Mm-hmm. I really do. And if he does, I think we're in for an absolute barnstormer, I don't think people are saying, oh, he's going to get blitzed. I don't think he is going to get blitzed. I think it will no. be a lot tighter than a lot of people are saying.
1: Fancy his chances more than a fancier. You'd as chances. Absolutely, yeah.
0: And um, yeah. and it's in the UK. All right, it's not in Sheffield. It's in the UK. Golovkin's not been here before. Mm-hmm. And another another pointer is that I don't think Golovkin has ever fought an unbeaten champion before. He's fought unbeaten fighters. I think this might be his third unbeaten fighter. Um, but the other guys that he's fought, I mean, we couldn't probably name them, the unbeaten lads that he's been in. with. fair enough. Nobody wants to get in with him, so that might be part of the argument. But mm-hmm. he hasn't for an unbeaten champion. And there's a different mentality when you get in, in the ring with an unbeaten champion. Kel Brooks had 30 fights and he's undefeated in 30 fights. He's the welterweight champion of the world. He yeah. doesn't know what it feels like to get chinned. So yeah. he's not going to go in there with any trepidation, i.e. Amir Khan and Canelo. Can, Amir Khan knew what it was like to get chinned. He's been chinned twice before. Um, yeah. uh, British Prescott and obviously Danny Garcia. So he goes in there and he's thinking, it's going to come at some point, so I'll just give him my best. Kel Brooks going in there to win this fight, 100%. Yeah, yeah.
1: Completely agree, and um, the, the thing is with Kel Brook as well is he's got that he's got that Sheffield style, hasn't he? He's got that Winko Bank, you know, style with it's Quite loose, um, hands down. You know, a lot of it's on reflexes, slip and punches. Nazi Ahmed vibes, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, if he can straight if he out can take English. that in against Golovkin. People don't fight like that against Golovkin. People don't fight like that. Now, there's two arguments there. There's a reason why you don't fight like that against Golovkin because you'll get bingoed. Or... No one's had the confidence because, as you've just touched on, no one's had that undefeated championship record behind them to go. Well, yeah, I'm not being intimidated by him. I'm going to fight my kind of fight. I think if Kel turns up and fights his kind of fight, and he can bang Kel Brook, you're yeah. absolutely right. But the only problem here is it's similar to the Canelo Khan problem as well. Is Golovkin is a murderous puncher for that weight division, for the for the middleweight division. He is he punches like a freight train. And that's the only issue. you know. Okay, Kels, you know, he's never been stopped. He's never lost a fight in 36 pro fights. That's great. But you could argue he's never been hit on the chin as hard as Golovkin will potentially hit him on the chin. So it would be interesting to get Martin Murray in the studio and it would be yeah. prior to that fight in a couple of weeks. And we'll ask Martin what his, what his taking it was and for a little bit of insight into Golovkin. But um, kudos to Kel Brook. But he had to do it. He had to do it, Adam. Otherwise, what, what's he going to do? Retire undefeated as a... You know, a world champion, in the welterweight division, and mm. you know, for for me, jo- Johnny Nelson did that for years. You know, the entertainer himself, WBO cruiserweight world champion, he seemed to have it for about ten years. Defended it up and down the country, consistent twelve round points decisions. You know, and Johnny Nelson's an absolute diamond, but for me, he must look back on his career now and go, you know what. Why the fuck didn't he just go over to America and roll a dice and have a unification fight, or even step up to heavyweight and and try me luck there as well? Because he was so big, mm. I think he must be kicking himself. You know, I, I, he kind of been he, I, he never made the kind of money he could have made for the talent that he had. This isn't about
0: it, belts, is it? This is not about. another really is legacies. I know that all the middleweight belts that Golovkin's got are on the line, but this is like you've just said. It's about legacy. This is your career exactly. defining. This is the one where people go. That's, he was the, great. That, that's the guy that, that Bingo Triple G. He was the exactly. first one to do it.
1: Exactly. So at, right now, Nazim Hamed, certainly post-war area, the greatest fighter ever to come out of Sheffield, without a shadow of a doubt. But Kel Brook, if he beats Golovkin, his name's right in that mix. Mm. And then what comes after Golovkin? Are you Are going to fight Canelo then as well? Are you Are going to fight, you know... Well, that's it, what does he do? Does he stay at 160? Golovkin.
0: Does he have to step down? What does he do? Because he's still the welterweight champion. He's going to have to give some up, isn't he?
1: If he beats Golovkin, then... Guess who will be knocking on his door for a change. Amir, Amir, Amir Khan will be like little Oliver. Please, sir, can I have some more? With a little begging bowl at that Renko Bank Gym, I'm telling you, this is Kel had to do this, and it's not. And you can't, you lose this fight to Golovkin, well, so so what? You stepped up two weight divisions. Good on you. You dared to be great. You've still got your welterweight belt. Go make a defense back in Sheffield and, and rebuild and whatever else. It's a great fight for him. Great fight. Come out, come out of nowhere. Um, Kudos to Eddie Hearn for not letting it disappear because it quite easily, after with the U, with the Eubanks, from what we can sense, the Eubanks dragging their feet, that belt could have gone anywhere, the fight could have gone anywhere else. It's great that we're going to have Golovkin fighting in the UK. Absolutely, yeah. The tickets will sell out within minutes without a shadow of a doubt, purely to, for people who want to see Golovkin potentially the best fighter on the planet. And, uh, you know, Kell Brook, good on you. Uh, it's a great fight for him and uh, super exciting.
0: Don't take our word for it. Take the word of the man himself. If you want to hear from Kel Brook, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. It's absolutely free. Just search us out on iTunes, Fight Disciples, hit the subscribe button, and then everything that we do will end up on your phone absolutely simple as that I caught up with Kel Brook. we had a little bit of a chat about Gennady Golovkin and other matters as well in the world of boxing as he prepares for the fight of his life
1: next time with the Fight Disciples
0: we hopefully will still have a world champion in Terry Flanagan and we could have a brand spanker they come along in buses these scouse champions don't they Nicholas my friend you've got one in Liam Smith you've got one in Tony Bellew Are we going to get a third hopefully we'll be speaking to Jazza as a world champion Checking on Rigondo at the weekend.
1: Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.